Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to see you today. How is everybody doing? Y'all good this morning? All right. Well, I hope, if you're not, that you'll be better. It's always good to be together in His presence, and uh, this is an exciting day. We're going to be having our uh, introduction of our life groups at the end of this service today. It's our life group formation time this month, and really just super excited about all the life groups that are getting kicked off. And we're going to be introducing a message series today that um, we're just simply calling Seasons. And I feel like um, the Lord has been stirring this for a while. It's been coming out in different messages, but we want to really go after it intentionally. Like, I just really sense in my heart that this has been a time that we're in a moment right now where the Lord is, He's positioning us for the season ahead. You know, when we navigate the season that we're in, well, we get positioned correctly for the season that's ahead. And even when we don't get it and we don't understand it, we don't know what God's doing, if we follow him, he's going to put us in the right place at the right time. We can lean on the Lord with all of our heart and we can, we can trust the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding in that way. So uh, we're going to be doing this, uh, these messages for a while and different aspects of discussing seasons And just to kick this off today, we know this, God is faithful and he does not change. And he's also a God of times and seasons. So like what he's doing in those times and seasons may take on a different emphasis. For example, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the journey from the Red Sea to the land of Canaan, the land of milk and honey, the promised land, the Bible says it is an 11 day journey. In chronological time, it should have taken them 11 days to get there. Let's add on a week, okay? Just because there's a big group and there's kids and all that, lots of cattle, add on a month, whatever. Let's say it took them a month to get there. Well, God, his plan, his original plan was for them to take a two-year period to take an 11-day journey. Why? Because it was a season. It was a season of bonding with him. It was a season of getting to know his presence, a season of coming into covenant with him. And it wasn't just about going, taking an 11-day journey and jumping into the promised land. There's seasons where God is emphasizing something. And then when they went into the promised land, you know, this, this thing they had gotten really used to that God was giving them every single day, the manna, the day they went across the Jordan River, the manna stopped. And it was a new season. God was going to feed them in a different way from the old corn of the land. God is the same. He's always faithful. He's always loved. He's always good. But the way that he's working changes from season to season or the way that he provides. And so we, we see that throughout scripture. Seasons change, but God never changes. However, there's things that God emphasizes in certain seasons and we need the right strategy for the season that we're in. We just need to have the right strategy. And um, that takes us to a verse, a, a couple of verses to kick this off. Where I really want to get today is Acts 19. And we will get there, God willing. But I want to just set this up a little bit as well. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. We know this. There's songs about this. I think it's even been mentioned recently in a message, a couple of messages. To everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. Yes, when they wrote the song in the 60s, they lifted it right out of the pages of Scripture, okay? It's right there. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose. Everybody say purpose. There's a time for every purpose. If we recognize the season, we can discover our purpose. We need to know the season we're in so we know the purpose God has for us in that moment. 
In a season, the, the, the meaning of that in Scripture, in the Hebrew word in Scripture, is a set time or an appointed occasion. And it's like, it's like an appointment, a divine appointment. We need to get our calendar synced up with God's calendar. He has a calendar. You know, um, my wife and I have to go through this exercise pretty regularly of syncing up our calendars. And I really want her to put everything in iCal, everything on her Google calendar so I can see it like in their own, it's color-coded way next to my calendar so that we can make appointments together and we know what each other are doing. But Rachel really loves her paper calendar. So she's often writing things in her paper calendar. And before I make schedule something really important that both of us need to be at, I have to ask her every time, hey, babe, is there, I, I see your regular calendar. Is there anything in your paper calendar I need to know about? Well, as a matter of fact, there is. And we sync up our calendars. And um, I feel like this is a time where the Lord is helping us like sync up our calendars with his calendar. And you know, we get to ask, okay, Lord, is there anything... Anything on your paper, anything on your heart that I need to be known about. And, and it's just like a, a time that we're in. It speaks of um, a group of people in First Chronicles 12. Again, mentioned recently, but I'm just bringing this into this context this morning. First Chronicles 12.32. Excuse me. It says, of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. There's a group of guys in the tribe of Issachar. They had understanding of the times. I believe the Lord wants to give us understanding of the times. Our collective time, our individual time. Why? So we know what we should do. We see what God's doing. We can, we can join him in what he's doing. That word for time there in 1 Chronicles 12, it's the same as in Ecclesiastes for every um, season. There is a time for every purpose. To everything, there is a season. There is a time for every purpose. That word time, it's, it's eth in the Hebrew. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, but that's how it would be transliterated. It means time, season, due season, occasion, and appointed time. The equivalent to that word, um, this appointed time word in Hebrew, in the Greek, maybe you're familiar with this, would be the word kairos or kairos. And kairos is more than chronological time. It is an appointed time. Let me take you to Ephesians 5, verse 15 and 16. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. That's the word kairos, because the days are evil. Making the most of the moment, making the most of the appointed time, the kairos time, the most of the season that you're in. The Lord just has so much for us. Everyone say more. There's more. Like there's more. And it's possible, it's possible to miss our moment. Now, I, I believe the Lord is not hiding our moment from us. But we can become so distracted that we can miss our moment. I also believe that he's faithful to bring us in if we follow him. So what I, I was thinking about this in terms of um, a sport that I love a lot and I've, and I've done it since I was a kid and that's just, uh, it's surfing. And I think every sport has a version of this, but in surfing, you hear this often by people that were, that had a really good day and they, t they you show up at the beach and they say, you should have been here yesterday. <laughs> or you should have been here this morning. 
or you should have been here an hour ago. It was so epic, and you totally missed it. I remember showing up with John one time at one of our favorite spots, and there was this guy. He's like, you should have been here last night. It was a full moon, and we surfed in the full moon. It was so perfect. And come feel my wetsuit. It's still wet. We're like, I don't want to feel your wetsuit. I believe you. I believe you, wet wetsuit guy, moon doggy. Uh, I believe you. There's, there's some version of that in every, uh, in every sport, I think. And that is not something I want to hear said about the next wave of revival, the next wave of outpouring. I don't want to ever hear, you should have been here yesterday. <laughs> it's one thing if it's surfing. It's another thing if it's something really eternal and important. Amen? Now, going back to surfing, you've got to at least be at the beach to not miss it. We're talking about being in the right position, God bringing us into the right position, okay? And, you know, you, you, you like know a swell is coming, and I feel like that's what we have in the spirit right now. There's this knowledge that a swell is coming. There's like, there's something in the forecast of the spirit, and I feel like that's what we have. There's a swell coming, but you, you've got to at least be at the beach, and then you've got to at least be in the water, and you've got to be at the right place in the water. And then when the wave comes, you've got to actually turn your board and paddle the direction the wave is going and move yourself with that wave. And then all of a sudden, this magical thing happens. You're up, you're riding on this wall of water, and it's wonderful, epic. <laughs> Come on, give me, your, give me your best surfing things that you think of when you think, you, that you think surfers say. It's gnarly. What else? What else? Stumped. Okay. Hang ten. Come on. All right. No one really does that anymore. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Some, some guys do. And gals. So you've got to be, if you're not in position, you're going to miss the wave. So how do you know? Like one of the great things I did as I was learning to surf and learning to figure out a certain location is look at the people that are doing well and, well and catching waves and watch them and go and sit by them and do what they do because they know where to be in the water when the wave comes. And if you kind of just sit near them, you're going to get your turn and it's going to be a lot of fun. And so I feel like the Lord is, is making it, wanting to make it obvious for us, but this is a time to get positioned, to get prepared, to be conditioned. Sometimes you're out in the water and you're in the right place and it is flat as a lake and nothing is happening. And you, some of you are like right now, you're like, hey, I'm looking for that next thing, but like nothing's really going on. We call that in surfing a lull where nothing's happening, but you know that you're in the right place and you're tempted when that happens to paddle in or go in or take a break. And inevitably, the moment you turn and go in and say, I'm just going to go to the beach and have a snack. The moment you do that on the horizon, corduroy, boom, a set's coming in, marching towards that spot. You're like, oh no. And you're paddling out, and you take them on the head, and you're duck diving and getting tumbled around because you left position. It's kind of like fishing, too. Like you're waiting for a bite all day on the fishing boat, and the moment you say, I'm going to go get a sandwich, zzz, like your line goes out. So it's, it's, it's always, always seems to be a, a correlation there. But um, I, I'm saying all that because there's a, a new season coming, and the Lord's wanting us to be in position for it. And we just need to have this, this heart that says, okay, Lord, I'm... Even in the midst of not fully understanding, in the midst of the circumstances around my life, I want to be right. You know, we sang it this morning. I just want to be where you are. I want to be right in the middle of your will. Redeeming the time. 
for the days are evil, is another way that translation reads. Or take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for his purpose. That phrase, the days are evil, in Ephesians 5, it's really interesting. It means, uh, on one sense, it means like full of annoyance, hardship, difficulty, labors. Like, it's, it's not just like inherently evil, like evil-natured, but just, it's tough. The second meaning is that, yeah, it's bad or of a bad nature or a bad condition. And what that's showing us is that there are big opportunities in difficult times and that there are God moments and kingdom seasons in the middle of tough conditions. We can't be in a place where we're like, when these conditions improve, then good things will happen. No, no, no. There's God moments happening. Gross darkness covers the earth, Isaiah 60 says, but God will rise on his people. There's God moments happening in tough conditions. Come on, somebody. That's what's happening in our world. And God is preparing us to recognize and make the most of our moment. And that, you know, this word kairos, it could be a certain time of day. It could be an annual season, a season of life, an appointed time, uh, a whole season that God set apart for something special. Whatever it is, we need to make the most of the moment. Now, Paul experienced this new season, what we could call like a divine appointment, a divine moment when he came to Ephesus in Acts 19. And we just read what he wrote to the Ephesians later on. He's telling them to make the most of their moment. But that's exactly what Paul did when he had come there years before. And what I want to show us this morning and where this gets close to home and where it starts, it starts coming into focus for us is, you know, there's words that God speaks And we are so on fire for that word, like God deposits that thing in your heart, that promise, that prophecy, that word, that dream, that awareness of his will for your life, and it energizes you and you're excited about it, whether it's a call to teach in Sunday school or a dream he puts in your heart for a bit, whatever it is, like the Lord puts something inside of you and you're fired up about it. And sometimes the season doesn't match the word. And we're excited about it and we go to do it. It's like, it's like hitting your head against a wall. And it seems like that's, this doesn't seem to be happening right now in this moment. And it's not the enemy resisting you and it's not people around you resisting you. It's just the wrong time. Anybody ever had that experience? Maybe, maybe. Okay. Paul, I believe, really had that experience. Let's, let's, we're going to look at that. But here's what I want to say. We're coming into a time where the season is matching the word. Like there's things he's put in your heart. And for some of you, you, you may have even let go of those words because it was, you got so frustrated and your heart got so sick because hope deferred makes the heart sick and it didn't happen like you wanted and you just got bummed out about it and it hurt too much to hold on to it so you let it go. And you dismissed it as it not being God. We've all done that with certain things in our life. And some of us have just gotten a little bit like it's back burner. Some of us have let go of it completely. But I'm telling you, this is, we're coming into a time where the Lord is going to be bringing those things back around. And we need to pick those things up and be ready. Paul had a, had a, like, a coming around like the Lord circling back to a dream that he had put in, put in his heart earlier in Acts chapter 19. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit is emphasizing Acts 19 for fall 2019. Like this is a now passage. There's a now, there's a message in this for us. There's a word in this for us to wrap our hearts around this morning. So let's do that together. It says in Acts 19 verse 1, it happened when Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. 
Now, Paul, this would be like his third missionary journey. He had passed through the upper regions before and tried to go south to Ephesus, and the Holy Spirit restricted him from doing so, actually said, nope, you're, you're not to do that right now, made it very clear to him. So when we get to Acts 19, verse 1, it sounds like Dr. Luke is just sort of, you know, giving detail as he was good at doing, setting up the context, but this is more than just some accurate detail of this journey. This is a moment of fulfillment. This is a moment that Paul had been dreaming about, and it was a time of those dreams being fulfilled. Now, back in Acts 16:7, this is what I was telling you about. It was in Paul's heart to go to Asia Minor. This was his second missionary journey. He was there with Silas. He was there with Luke. He just grabbed uh, Timothy, and they were off on the, on the beginning of the second missionary journey. And it says, when they had gone through Phrygia and the, Galatia, and the region of Galatia, Phrygia, Phrygia, listen, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, which is actually Asia Minor, not like China and Japan, Asia Minor, like the western part of Turkey today. God simply said, no, not now. I've got somewhere else I want you to be. And they leapfrogged that entire region and went all the way. They got a dream in the port of Troas. They go all the way over into Macedonia, which is Europe. And they skip all the way into a new continent and preach the gospel there with great effectiveness. Now that whole season has happened and he's come back around. It's interesting because in Acts 18, uh, verse 18 to 22, Paul actually came to Ephesus for a short visit. But it was the equivalent of like a layover on an airplane stop. Okay, he was going to Jerusalem. He was, he was in a hurried state of mind. He came, he went to a synagogue. He talked a little bit. They're like, stay longer. He's like, no, I got to go. And so it wasn't like he was really present and there in that moment. But now we come to Acts 19. And in Acts 19, Paul is stepping into a new season. It's a divine appointment. And when he shows up at Ephesus, it's like he steps into an open heaven. And as he steps out in what God has asked him to do, there is, there is immediate outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He stepped into a moment that God had prepared beforehand. You know, it's one thing to kind of just like move into a new direction in life. It's a whole other thing to step into a moment that God has prepared. There's something electric about it. There's something powerful about it. And I don't know if Paul knew he was stepping into that kind of moment, but I know that after that moment began to unfold, he knew. And I think for us, sometimes we're like, I don't, like, sometimes we don't know we're in a new season until we're in the new season. We don't know that, that we're, a new season is coming until we've started to taste of that new thing. And I think that it might have been that way for Paul. He might have been, he might have remembered in this moment, yeah, I, 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 had, I had a revival in my heart for this region before and, and, and as he began to see it happen. So God had opened the door that no from previous, that previous no had turned into a resounding yes in the moment. And he was walking into a season really of one of the most explosive revivals in church history. I said that right. I meant to say it that way. In church history. We're going to read about it right now and look how it started and where it went. Let's go to Acts chapter 19 verse 2. And, uh, Let's pick up with this. He said to them, did you receive? So he found these 12 guys. That's the context, right? He found 12, about 12 disciples, it says, in, in Ephesus. And he said, finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
Their response is so funny to me. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. There's a Holy Spirit? Tell us more. Verse 3. He said to them, into what then? Because they were clearly disciples of some kind. Disciples, and they believed in God. He said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. That would be John the Baptist's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard, everyone say when they heard this. Right then, right there, right when they heard it, it says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's a, that's an amazing thing. Like there was such spiritual hunger and so much response, responsiveness that the moment they heard it, they stepped into that new experience that God had for them. That, that truth that was always there that they didn't know about. And, everyone say and. Verse 6, when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So they got baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, received him as their Lord and sa- received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Then, I guess as a part of that little prayer meeting they were having, Paul just went ahead and laid hands on all of them and started praying for them, and they began speaking in tongues, and they start prophesying. Tell somebody that's a good day. It says, now the men were about 12, and all. I don't, I've always wondered why it says about 12 right there. Like, why it's not an exact number, but okay. It was a, there were about 12 of them there. And he went into the synagogue and boldly spoke for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things concerning the, uh, concerning the things of the kingdom of God. And when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this, I want you to now see this next part because this is what I was telling you about one of the greatest revivals in church history. And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Every person in Asia. This could have been something like the population of the Bay Area, nine or ten million people at that time in world history in Asia Minor. In that part of the Roman Empire. It could have been up to 15 million. I don't know exactly. But that group of people in that entire region, Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. And it happened in the space of two years. Without Instagram or live streaming or email or television or telephones or the internet or any of the things and the tools that we have to communicate the gospel. Just straight up, good old-fashioned Original gangster, word of mouth. That's all they had. And in two years, this wave of the gospel crashed over Asia Minor. And when you read about the churches of Asia in Revelation chapter 1 that Jesus is ad- through 3 that Jesus is addressing, all of those churches started in this period of time when Paul was there in Ephesus. Now, 
What I'm trying to show you is that when Paul stepped into Ephesus, he stepped into a new season. Ephesus was a region of significant influence. It was a center of travel and commerce being one of the greatest seaports in the world by far. And it contained the Temple of Artemis, which was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It also was a huge economic engine. You see that later in this chapter when people started burning their witchcraft and books and idols and all that. And all the people that made that stuff were like, this is a real bummer. It was literally millions of dollars of stuff that was getting burned up when revival hit that place. And it upset some people. And they gathered and filled up the theater, which actually seats 25. There's a theater. The ruins are still there. There's a theater in Ephesus that seated 25,000 people. There's a library, a massive library there. I visited the city. It's, it's near modern Izmir in Turkey. It's an amazing place. What I'm trying to tell you is that Ephesus was a modern, educated, wealthy, powerful, and sophisticated city. It was a seat of entertainment, a seat of education. Yet they were in great need of Jesus. And sometimes people that are this sophisticated, we consider them perhaps a bit closed to the gospel. But in the midst of this group, in, in spite of having it all, in spite of being a part of this city that was the second largest city in the Roman Empire with over a quarter of a million people, which would have made it the second largest city in the world, by the way, with a quarter of a million people. In spite of all the sophistication and wealth and having it all, Paul found people there to be extremely spiritually hungry and a place that some might have written off as like, no, they're never going to receive over there. It was like a spark from heaven hit the tender of their hearts and revival exploded. And I really feel like already... We're coming into a time, but we're going to see it increase, a time of a wave of, the, of a move of God in the major cities of the world. Not just the rural places, not just the suburbs, but the major cities of the world. The Mexico cities, the New Yorks, the Beijings, the Shanghais, you know, the Dubais of the world. We're going to see major revival hit in, in these cities where people have it all and they have the affluence and the wealth, but they have this missing God hole. They have this, this God hole in their hearts and they're missing something and they know it. And all of a sudden, their hearts open to the gospel. Come on, somebody. So I want to talk about this, three things about this new beginning. Number one, the new season or Three things about this new season. The new season started small and simple. It was really without a lot of fanfare. Like there was no announcement in Chris Magazine. There was no big event. There was no commercial like, hey, new season's coming. New season conference. Coming into Ephesus with a fresh word. Prophetic conference with Paul. Nothing. He showed up at somebody's life group. He found every single person he could that believed anything about God at all that he could track down and had a little prayer meeting with them in this humble meeting with 12 souls. The people that had only known the baptism of John. Who knows how they even knew that? They didn't have all of the training and theology and all the kind of stuff that you would hope to have. It was, they didn't have any of it. It started small and simple. Twelve disciples that didn't even know about Jesus or the Holy Spirit. But what did they have? They had hunger. You know what? I really feel like this describes people around our area, that God is going to do something, that he's stirring something in our region, in the depths of people's hearts that have so much and know so much and are so gifted and smart and wealthy, 
But there's this longing in their heart for more. And they consider themselves spiritual. Spiritual, not religious. Whatever. Okay. The classic mantra of our region. But there's a hunger in their hearts. And the Lord is wanting to position his people into interactions with those folks so that when they hear the genuine good news of Jesus, their heart just opens right, right up and the Holy Spirit's poured out. Like the Lord's taking us into a season where there's an outpouring on us that turns into an overflow where other people start to encounter. Outpouring, overflow, encounter. He's bringing us into this season. And Paul didn't let a day of small beginnings hold him back. He had seen huge things in Corinth, huge things in Philippi and other cities, been a part of incredible miracles. But when it came time to talk to 12 guys that didn't know much quite yet, he didn't step back and say, what a bummer. I feel like I'm starting over. This is so lame. All I hear about is Apollos preaching to the multitudes over in Corinth. And here I am just with, I don't know, working for a living. And I've got these 12 people that don't like he's got his tent making business. And then he's like, just, you see what Paul could have done with that? He could have been like, I'm better than this. I have a bigger platform than this. Why am I going to this, this little, like, you know, rogue little like garage Bible study? Paul didn't say any of that. It says in Zechariah 4.10, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. That's saying don't minimize. That word small, that word beginning, it means infancy. Don't minimize revival in its infancy, in its youth, in its seed form. The Lord rejoices over that. Adopt heaven's perspective. Start to rejoice. Like I believe that when we start seeing things move and we see things begin to shift and we see like small beginnings starting to take place in this season, what we need to do, we have a mandate to do is rejoice over that and celebrate that because it's the beginning of something. Come on and say amen. There was an open heaven atmosphere as Paul stepped out in faith and God poured out his spirit. And I want to just say, it's like, this is an important time to go back to the basics, like inviting people to experience the grace of Jesus, to invite people to experience the gospel of Jesus, to know Jesus, to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to be touched by the Holy Spirit, just to get back to the simplicity of the gospel. Number two, this new season was marked by accelerated spiritual growth. I don't know why Paul didn't start by asking them, hey, do you guys know anything about Jesus? But like what the Lord instructed him to ask, which I think is great, and we need to be led by the Spirit. The question that he asked them was, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they're like, there's a Holy Spirit? That's just delightful to me. I think that we need to not apologize for the reality of the Holy Spirit. Just because people are sophisticated and affluent doesn't mean they're not hungry for the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't have to get into some King James moment and talk about God and, and the Holy Ghost. You don't have to say ghost or anything like that. That's just a translation thing. You can talk about the Holy Spirit. Don't need to scare anybody. But sometimes we're, we're kind of like on this end of the spectrum of sort of like, eh, that's a little bit too mystical. I don't know if I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. He straight up asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And this simple question led to a series of divine encounters and accelerated spiritual growth. And as soon as they heard it, they received it. It says when they heard this, they were baptized. And then they received this uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit 
as well. It all happened in a very quick succession. And I just, um, I really believe that we're coming into a time, and maybe this describes you. Maybe in your heart, you're hungry for more. You feel like, I need to take the next steps in my walk with God. Well, maybe it's time for you to take the next second, third, fourth, and fifth step in your walk with God. You're like, I need to get baptized. Yes, and be filled with the Spirit. And why don't you go ahead and just let God begin to release His gifts in your life. And you know what I think? I know this is, this is totally theory. This is not the Bible. I think that possibly those Ephesian elders that Paul met with in chapter 20 are the same group of guys. Some of them maybe are the group of guys that we see here in chapter 19. I can't prove that or anything, but I just... I have a hunch. We, we know that somebody out of that, somebody that got saved in that two-year period became the Ephesian elders. So when Paul was relating to them as elders, they hadn't been saved very long, but they had matured very quickly and developed very quickly. There was an accelerated season of spiritual growth where things maybe that, and I believe what God's bringing us into that time, where things perhaps that took years and years for people, God wants to accelerate in people's lives because of the day we live in and the time that we're at, we need to grow quickly. I don't mean in a rootless way. I don't mean, I don't mean taking any shortcuts. I just mean accelerated. And number three, this new season was marked by regional impact and transformation, even though it faced resistance. Regional impact and transformation, even though it faced resistance. It said really clearly here, all who dwelt in Asia, two years every day, by the way, you know that you can have seven years of church services in a year if you have church every day? You guys do the math on that real quick. You following me? If you don't just meet on Sunday, but you meet every day, you can have seven years of church services in a year. They had 14 years of church in two years. You tracking with me? Like what happens if we just gather together in life groups and gather together in prayer meetings? I feel like we've had such a spirit of prayer in our pursuit nights lately. Like God's about to birth something new. And I just like... Like, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. There was something accelerated that happened as they gathered together in these times, and they have 14 years of church services in two years, and the growth that happened was exponential and profound, and the regional impact was so significant. It went out from there, radiated everywhere. How did it radiate? Did it radiate because Paul was on the radio? No. And there were things happening where they were taking handkerchiefs and, and work aprons and things, and they were taking from Paul, and they were putting it on people, and they were getting healed, and demons were coming out. All that was happening, for sure. Signs, wonders, miracles, prophecy. But it was the people taking those things. It was the people stepping out into their gifts. It was the people going out and releasing the gospel. That's how it spread. Everybody that had this that was involved in this season, they became a part of the way of Jesus. And anybody in, the, anybody in their life, they, they tried to invite into that way. And it spread all over Asia Minor. Look at this map of Asia Minor right here. I want you to get a picture of this region. That's Turkey. Down here you see, you know, what would be Israel here. You see Syria. You see Lebanon over on, on the right side. That whole area on the top of the map there is modern Turkey. Everything in red pretty much is what would be considered Asia. Mainly, you know, perhaps not up to the, um, perhaps not all the way up there, but at least like two-thirds of the way down where it says Asia and below. All of that region heard the word in a two-year period. 
I don't have the square miles right there, but it's really, that's a lot of land. That's a lot of coverage. That's a lot of ground for the gospel to cover. It's incredible. So here's what I want to tell you, especially in the light of starting life groups this week. What started as the equivalent of a life group became a revival movement that reached Asia. Minor. So here's what I want to exhort you to do as we wrap up today and come to a response time. First, don't let go of the things God has spoken in the past. They're coming back around. This was a moment of God bringing something back around. It was a season of God bringing back around what was in Paul's heart before. He had the season wrong, but he had the word right. And now the season's going to align with the word. Number two, even tough seasons serve God's purpose because they condition us for the next season. Even tough seasons serve God's purpose because they condition us for the next season. What's happening now in your life is designed to prepare you for the season that's ahead. You can trust the Lord in that. You can rest in that. Don't let go of that process. Don't let go of your faith. Don't let go of of the, the, the journey don't just give up in the middle of this season. You're being prepared, and you're going to find yourself in the right place at the right time, in God's time, in a new season, because you let him position you through this time. You might feel like you're sitting out in the water. There's no waves. There's no nothing. You're ready to paddle in. You're ready to go have a sandwich. You're ready to go home because you're cold, and it's windy, and all that. There's a, there's a wave coming. <laughs> Stay in position. So navigating the season you are in now positions you for the season God is bringing you into. Now, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up again. And I want to close with this verse. In Deuteronomy 33.25, a part of this verse. It says... As your days, so shall your strength be. I want you to read that out loud with me. Ready? As your days, so shall your strength be. That means that the Lord is going to impart the strength you need for the season you're in. Right now. (laughs) There's no trial or test that's overtaken you that you cannot bear because there is strength released for the season you are in. You can trust God with that. Definitely in your weakness, his strength is perfected. You may not have enough in and of yourself for the season, but there is grace from him. All that you need and more for the season that you are in. So I'd like you to, to invite you to stand with me as we have a response time this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness today. As I was studying this and preparing for this, I almost feel like Paul showed up in Ephesus almost out of principle. If it's it's okay if I say that, this is what I'm now reading my perspective into this. Like he was faithful to God. Maybe he didn't show up with the same excitement that he had the first time he went there. But he was like, but I, I, I'm supposed to be there, so I'm going to go. But where he went in obedience, <laughs> that moment 
when he stepped into it, became electrified by the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, I don't even feel like passion for the next season. That's okay. Your passion, your passion meter is like low right now. My question for you is, is your obedience meter high? Because God's not looking for a generation of believers that just go around trying to have another feeling. Look, you're going to have some seriously passionate feelings being a, being a person in the kingdom of God. But we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk, we walk out of obedience, not just out of emotion. There'll be good emotions. All that will come. I just feel like Paul went into the season in obedience. But that moment became electrified by the Holy Spirit. And I want to call you and, uh, into that place and exhort you, encourage you, uh, inspire you today to remember just to be faithful, to be obedient. To say, okay, Lord, I want to be a person after your heart that does your will in my generation. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your goodness over us today. Lord, I want to thank you for this, this Acts 19 message as a theme for this season that we're moving into this fall. Lord, this morning we just lift our eyes and our hearts to you. Let's just do that right now. Let's just lift up our hearts to heaven. Lift up our, our affections. Put them on the Lord here today. There's big moments. Kingdom seasons. I just want to encourage you this morning just in your own words and in your own way, say, Lord, just get me ready. Get me in position. Show me what I need to do. If I've let go of anything, if I need to pick up that word again and just hold on to it. We've been talking about endurance and patience and perseverance lately. Those are, those are really, that's a big key in the kingdom of God. Lord, thank you for the strength, the endurance. to keep paddling, to be in the right place when your wave comes. God, I pray that all of us would get a revelation of that, whether we've ever been in the ocean or not. We get a revelation of that today. Lord, that there's waves of the Spirit we're meant to ride, meant to be a part of in our generation. I feel like what's important to do right now is some of us are limiting our present to our past experiences and we're like, well, I, I had this thing happen or that thing go on or this season of my life. And Scripture says God will do a new thing. We're not to keep focusing on the things of old. Lord, this morning we want to just let go of previous seasons to be able to focus on what you're doing right now in this moment. Lord, we can, let the, we can let those moments prophesy good things to us and, and encourage us, but Lord, we want to be present with you. And I feel like that's a, that's a real theme right now. We, we're singing about it today and everything, just to be present with him. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Praise you, Jesus. Let's just keep our eyes closed for a moment.
maybe you came here today and you're maybe believe in God, but you haven't begun a relationship with Jesus. You're like one of those guys in Ephesus. You're like, yeah, I grew up kind of believing this or that. You have a hunger for God. I want to invite you today to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you're here, I don't know if there is anyone here that hasn't done that before, but if, but if there's anybody here, I want you to know he loves you. He died for you, gave his life for you, and he wants to begin a personal relationship with you today. All it takes is for you to open your heart and put your faith and trust in him. And if you're here and you'd like to pray to do that this morning, I'd like to pray with you. So if you'd say, Pastor Caleb, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today and receive him as my Lord and Savior, just put your hand up high so I know to pray with you this morning. I see you right there. I see you right there. Wonderful. Anybody else? See, that's me. I want that fresh start today. I want to be a part of this thing God's doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. We're going to sing for a moment. And uh, those of you that lifted your hand, we're going to, I'm just going to pray a very simple prayer right now. For those of you that lifted your hand, I want you to repeat this with me. Actually, let's have the whole room do that and just participate in this and support this, this moment. But let's pray this out loud together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for the cross that you died and rose again for me. Forgive my sins. Come into my life. Make me new today. I open my heart to you. Fill me. I give my life to you. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.